This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 217, episode 217 of the Banner and Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some great podcasts like No Limits with Kevin Cooney, Music You're Missing, A Chance to Strive, Eat the Damn Cake, On the Promoter, He's the DJ, Daycations, 30 Flirty and Surviving, Be Fit, Drinks After Work, and so many other great podcasts. If you're into sports cards, don't forget to check out Card Vault Breaks every single day on Whatnot, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. You can always go check them out in person as well down at Patriot Place and down at Foxwoods Resort Casino. And the fine folks at the Card Vault slash Card Vault Breaks are putting on the Fenway Card Show on May 20th and 21st at Fenway Park. You can go to FenwayCardShow.com to purchase tickets right now or Starting on April 26th, which I believe is Wednesday, you can purchase your autograph tickets to get autographs from great former Red Sox players like David Ortiz, ever heard of him? Pedro Martinez, ever heard of him? Jose Canseco, Jonathan Papelbaum, and so many other great former Red Sox players. You can always get your Banner Banter podcast merchandise at BigNightShop.com. And if you haven't downloaded the WinBet app, go ahead and do that right now using the code XBN. Banter. So if you're into sports gambling, download the WinBet app. Use the code XBNBANTER to get a $100 bet credit when you place a $20 bet. And remember, if you or a loved one are experiencing gambling problems, please call 1-800-327-5050. Okay, here we go. Episode 217 of the Banner Banter Podcast after Game 3, Round 1, 2020. Three NBA playoffs. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Boston Celtics 130 to 122. The best of seven series is now two games to one in favor of the Boston Celtics. Game four will be on Sunday at 7 p.m. down in the ATL. And late last night, the NBA announced that game five will be on Tuesday night at TD Garden at a normal time, 7.30 p.m. Oh, there's my burp. Get that over and done with. Great. But let me just say this right now. If it goes past... Game five, I'm going to be fucking furious. I'm going to be through the roof. I mean, I don't need 2008 round one vibes against the Hawks again. And for those of you that either forgot, live under a rock, or just too young to remember, the Atlanta Hawks, game uh, first round, 2007, 2008 NBA playoffs, the first year with KG and Ray and Paul Pierce, the year that they won the championship, that team was forced into a seven-game Round one series against Al Horford and the Atlanta Hawks. I don't want that again. Okay, great. Moving on. 
Malcolm Brogdon, I would just like to say two things to you. Congratulations and what the fuck. Malcolm Brogdon won sixth man of the year and as he should have. He didn't start all year. He played very well. I think you got 60% of the votes. Congratulations to him. Well deserved. But what the fuck, man? I mean, during shoot around yesterday, he basically said, I love Atlanta. I love my home, but the Atlanta Hawks fans really aren't that dedicated. He basically said the Atlanta Hawks fans suck. The Boston Celtics fans are psychos. See an example with me. I'm a psycho when it comes to the Boston Celtics. And the Atlanta Hawks fans got fired up because of that. Booed him every single time. He touched the ball. It probably fired up the team, too, to be like, oh, yeah, our fans suck. We'll watch this. So for someone who I feel like could be the president, for someone or, you know, a governor or a mayor of some sort, he's very presidential, very mature, very professional. I really didn't like that comment, and I feel like it gave the Atlanta Hawks a little juice. And, I'm, and I just really wasn't a fan of that in any way, shape, or form, okay? <laughs> um, and before we talk about Game 3, injury-wise, I don't think there's really a lot of injuries to talk about. But I will be interested to see how Marcus Smart feels going into Sunday after landing straight on his back while trying to get uh, a rebound against Clint Capella late in that game. That looked painful. It really did. So I'll be very interested to see how... Uh, Joe Missoula and the Celtics training staff handle Marcus Smart moving forward uh, into game number four on Sunday at 7 p.m. down in the ATL. So let's recap game three, shall we? Okay, great. The Celtics didn't know how to play defense, and number 12 played, and that's it. That's the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. I'm obviously joking, but seriously, the Atlanta Hawks couldn't miss last night, and it was really annoying, and I don't see how they can play any better than that. I don't see how the Celtics will allow them to play any better than that. But, like, for example, the Celtics allowed 40 points in the paint in Game 2 and had 12 blocks. In Game 3, the Atlanta Hawks shot 22 out of 30 inside the three-point line, dropped 56 points in the paint, and the Celtics had zero blocks. Zero. And listen, the Hawks got a lot of these points inside the paint on second-chance points because, well, they dropped 23 second-chance points to the Celtics' 14. So they lost the... In the paint battle by 16, they lost a second chance battle by 14, and they only shot 66% from the free throw line. That ain't going to cut it, folks, especially in the playoffs. Maybe in the regular season, but not in the playoffs. Now, to be honest with you, I think this game started spiraling very early for the Celtics uh, when Derek White got two quick fouls. I think it happened within the first three, four, maybe even five minutes of the game, and he got that because Atlanta wanted to score in the paint early, especially off of... Um, offensive rebounds, and that's what happened. I I believe, if I remember correctly, Trey Young got an offensive rebound, or maybe it was John Collins. Either way, John Collins got the ball in the paint, and because of the way the Celtics rotated and didn't rebound the ball, Derek White was on John Collins, and he had to go up and obviously fouled him. It was and one, but he missed the free throw. Anyways, we're moving on. But that really and truly wasn't a great way for the Celtics to start the game because then Derek White got another cheap foul guarding Trey Young, and it was just really really annoying to be honest with you and i feel like that's where it really started spiraling for the celtics now luckily for the celtics um they started hitting some three-pointers which was great and this was just another like flash quarter of how good the celtics can be i mean the celtics did everything right on the offensive end 10 assists 14 made field goals 9 of 16 from three only um three turnovers overall but they got owned on the board. They also allowed 33 points in that first quarter, and you're like, okay, that the Celtics didn't play defense. 
that's the Hawks best punch. Don't worry about it. And they're like, nope, hold my beer. They came into the second quarter and dropped 41 points, 74 points in the first half, a franchise record for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they shot 17 out of 23 from the field. And what's crazy is the Celtics shot 66% from three. They went six of nine and they literally couldn't keep up with the Hawks. It was insane. I mean, before last night's game, the Boston Celtics, when they shoot 42% or more for the entire game from from three, they're 26 and 0. They are now 26 and 1. That's how good the Hawks' offense was last night, or how bad the Celtics' defense was. Depends on who you look at it. But I think one of the big issues here was the Atlanta Hawks bench killed us, killed the Celtics. Yes, number 12 played, but to be honest with you, he played well. I mean, you know me, I'm strict but fair. He played well. I mean, you could argue he played better than Jalen Brown. Seriously. And I mean, when you when you think about it, that fast break at the end of the game from Jalen Brown when there was probably like, I don't know, maybe a buck 40, buck 30 left in the game, and he had no idea what he was doing when I think it was a three-on-two fast break, and then he just pulled it out. Like, what are you doing, dude? Attack the rim. Put your head down. Get fouled. I mean, even if you make one free throw, it's better than having a fucking turnover. God, that was so bad. But the Hawks bench shot 13 of 14 in the first half. They missed one shot. That's it. All of them only missed one shot throughout the entire game. Jalen Johnson, 10 points. Bogdan Bogdanovich dropped 15. And then some guy named Sadiq Bey also dropped 15. He shot five of seven from the field. Now, if you've been a, a fan of this podcast for a while, you remember a couple years ago when the Celtics had an opportunity with the number 14th pick to take Sadiq Bey. They missed out and took Aaron Neesmith. And I always thought that Sadiq Bey was the perfect guy for the Celtics team to back up Jalen or Jason because he was NBA ready. Two or three years at Villanova, won a national title, NBA ready body. He could shoot the three, he could defend, that three and D guy that every single NBA scout and GM drools over. Now listen, is he the most athletic guy in the world? No, but he's the perfect guy to come off the bench. And I understand what you're probably saying right now. Timmy, shut the fuck up. They got Aaron Neesmith and, you know, he was part of the Malcolm Brogdon trade, so we wouldn't have Malcolm Brogdon if it wasn't for Aaron Neesmith and that bad pick, blah, 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 blah. All I'm saying is Sadiq Bey would be a really nice fit on this fucking basketball team right now. That's all I'm saying. But last night was about effort and defense with the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics outplayed, outhustled, outdefended the Hawks in the first two games. And last night, they thought they could win with their offense. And they failed big time, in my opinion. I mean, how many times did DeJounte Murray get to his spot? Again, just like he did in game two when he scored like 12 or 10 or 12 or maybe even 14 points in a row for them in like in that third quarter and where they slowly started cutting down the lead. Why wouldn't you try and control that? How many times did Trey Young get an open floater in the middle of the lane? How many times did they allow an offensive rebound that led to a wide open shot? It's really fucking annoying. It really and truly is. I mean, zero blocks throughout the entire game. Come on. You had 12 in game two, seven in game one. What the fuck? Now, I will say this, though. I know their defense wasn't ideal, but they did end up forcing 19 turnovers, and the Celtics scored 29 points off of those turnovers, which I feel like is a huge win for them and something that they could focus on going in to game four to help them out. You play better defense, you could force maybe 25, 26 turnovers, and next thing you know, you're having 33, 34 points off of turnovers there. So I will say that is a positive they can take, and hopefully they expand on that in game four. So the five things that I'm looking for in the playoffs, turnovers. They only had 12 and still lost. I don't get it. Three-point shooting-wise, they shot over 42% from three. 
and they lost. I don't get it. But the rebounding, the rebounding sucked again. Like, we suck again. Like, listen, I am not a coach, okay? I am not a coach. I would like to be someday. I'd like to be a coach. But the Hawks crash every single time. Not one of them, not two of them, but at least three or four of them, if not all five of them, every single time a shot goes up, they all crash. They crash, and then they crash, and then they crash again, and then they crash again. They go after it. They go after offensive rebounds. They go after defensive rebounds. They go after it some more, and then they crash some more after that. And the Celtics have to notice that, right? I mean, at some point, the Celtics have to realize that Quinn Snyder is telling all of his guys, hey, guys, the Celtics don't like to box out. Go crash the rebounds, right? They, they have to do that. I mean, Al Horford is down there boxing out and can't jump that high anyways, but he needs help. I mean, Jalen Brown had one rebound. One rebound. That's it. That's completely unacceptable. Troy Young had six. I mean, that's just effort, folks, in my opinion. That's all that it is. Now, I get it. Sometimes there's some long rebounds, some tricky rebounds. I'm not saying that you're not, like every team allows offensive rebounds. I'm not saying it has to be a fat goose egg, but like, don't watch it. Go after it. I mean, you lost the rebound battle by 17. And here's the worst part. 11 offensive rebounds. The Hawks won. Last game, game two, they had 19 and you won. But this time they scored 23 points off of that. 9 of 15 from the floor once they got those second chance points. 15 shots off of second chance points. They made 9 of them. The Celtics had 3 field goals. They only took 5 or 6 total shots off of second chance opportunities. That's 6 more made field goals. That's your difference in the game. Rebound the fucking ball box out find a body put your tush in them let's go (sighs) headspace wise game four for me will really explain a lot on what joe Missoula can do with this team and what this team can do with themselves they have to win this game they they have to say to themselves yeah they won they're a good team we respect that but we're gonna fuck you up this game that's what they have to do and then the rotation i mean joe Missoula tried some different things with jalen and Derek, like getting in foul trouble i don't think what he did really mattered tonight i feel like he used his timeouts the way that everyone's always wanted him to but somehow still found a way to complain after the game but i mean i i guess really the only thing you could say about joe Missoula and maybe the rotation is maybe he didn't motivate the guys enough well i i don't know i've i've i mean he went an extra guy and that extra guy played well can't really complain about that so game four what has to happen i'm gonna keep this super simple okay i like these quick podcasts i hope hopefully you do as well but you play defense you rebound you win say it with me you play defense you rebound you win also jalen brown please let everyone know why you are the most important player on this team this is the second straight game that jalen brown hasn't scored at least 20 points in kind of frustrating now clearly they're focusing on him and letting jason tatum beat them which you know bold strategy cotton but jalen brown you're at home bud go win him a game go win them a game go show them why you are all nba as a forward like folks it's literally that simple the celtics can score at will in this series we all know that but if they decide to give a little effort and not let trey young put floaters up wide open in the middle of the paint with no one around him and not give up so many second chance points and jalen brown acts like himself it will be a gentleman sweep five games 
moving on to the second round. Like, that's it. And that's all I got for you. Okay? Because if I have to talk about rebounding with this team in the playoffs one more time, I'm going to have a stroke. It's absurd. So, play defense. Box out. And Jalen Brown, please be yourself. And we can go 3-1 into TD Garden at 7.30 on Tuesday night. That's it. Have a great weekend. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.